Chips in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Two White Chicks in China podcast. This is episode one hundred and thirty-one. Holly, do you think we're gonna make it to two hundred? Absolutely. Yeah, seventy <laughs> more to go. Let's do it. Yeah, it's only taken us what three years to get here. <laughs> Another three. That's no problem. <laughs> do you have a fact for us about China? Yeah, I found a little creepy kind of thing going on、oh. in Shenzhen lately. So they have these surveillance cameras now that are across from the zebra crossing, the crosswalks,、mm. as we say, us Yanks, that have started to catalog people who are jaywalking. So、mm. if you walk across the road when the light is red, regardless of whether there are cars or not, it takes a photo of your face and then like puts it in a database and records how many times that you've been jaywalking. And then later, the plan is to send text messages and WeChat alerts when you get a fine for jaywalking. Oh, that's so bad. I know. I do that from time to time, so I might just stop. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I mean, if there's no cars on the Mostly, road, yeah, yeah. But- I mean, I'm not just stepping out willy nilly. Like, as long as there's a big strip, where like at the other traffic light, I know the space between that one and me to get across. Like, no problem. Yeah, it's Shenzhen's ascent into being Singapore. I feel like it's、mm. <laughs> gonna be more and more rules. No be gum. It- <laughs> yeah, no gum, no cigarettes. So we、uh, mentioned before about the space recognition. Technology, so this is also using the same technology. So China lately has been really putting a lot of effort in developing this technology, like we mentioned before, for classroom management、mm. to tell if kids are sleeping or bored or frustrated, and to order their lunches and to find criminals. We've mentioned before about how they invited a news reporter from the West to test out the system, and they scanned his face, and then were able to find him within like six minutes、mm. or something like that. So it's It's pretty mental. Yeah, and it it really shows how like how much surveillance there is in all aspects, like not just visually, but obviously with your phone as well, which actually leads really well into our topic today. The fact that if they can take a picture of you with a surveillance camera, and then it'll somehow no, I guess they've got you in a database, and then they can contact you on your phone. Like、mm-hmm. everything's connected. That's disturbing to me. Yeah, so I switched over to a Chinese phone recently, and it's a Huawei phone,、mm-hmm. and I actually can't cover the camera if I want to use the phone. Like if I cover the front camera, it says you must、uh, uncover the camera in order. Like I can't actually use the、oh, phone. Oh、wow, wow, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so the camera has to be on. It notices if it's covered up. So that's like super creepy that I actually、wow. cannot even use my phone without a camera being pointed at me. <laughs> So yeah, that's my fact. So what's on for the news this、mm-hmm. week? This story is about a Chinese fugitive who has turned himself in after 26 years because he can't afford his medical bills. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So this guy was originally jailed for two, only two and a half years、um, for theft in 1982. And since then, he's escaped three times, changed his name, and、uh, he's even gone back to his hometown. So、uh, Chu Shizai 
who is now 61. Yeah, as I said, he was first sentenced for only two and a half years. He was going through his sentence and he only had a year to go and he decided to escape. Hmm. Uh, He was caught a month later and went back to prison. But of course, if you break out, you get extra time added. So he got, I think, 12 months on there. Then he broke out again. Oh, no. (laughs) And again, got more time. He was in prison, a labor, like herding cattle. And this is when he escaped for the third time. That was in 1992. And from then on, he'd managed to evade authorities for 26 years. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And he was basically even living in his hometown since 2004. Mm. So all that time he's been there and just working. Uh, According to this article, he's worked as a gardener, a construction worker, a vegetable seller and a a rickshaw driver. His hometown obviously doesn't have the spatial recognition <laughs> right, software. Right, yeah. <laughs> but he's been basically working without an ID card, and so it's impossible for him to access medical care and welfare, so he's basically handed himself in <laughs> in order to get these things because he's getting older and, I guess, experiencing ailments. I wonder what his sentence is going to be after all this. Well, actually, it does say right at the end of the article, he was actually sent back to prison in March when he turned himself in, and uh, later sentenced to another four years because of his breakouts. I wonder if he's going to stay. Well, at 61, I guess breaking out is probably going to be more difficult for him. But um, actually, I I mean, I, I understand that the Chinese prison system is pretty harsh. So actually, to have only given him four years additional, I don't think that sounds too bad, mm-hmm. actually. It's just crazy because his initial theft... Would have just been two and a half years, and now he spent his whole yep. life basically yep. hiding out exactly. and a lot of stress. Don't <laughs> steal, people. <laughs> yeah. And he'd already done a year and a half of his two and a half years. So, I mean, I don't know if they have um, you get out early for good behavior type thing in China, but he only had a year left. He's done a year and a half. Just stick it out, man. Oh, man. <laughs> wow, 26 years later. Yeah. Well, hopefully he gets the care that he needs and has changed his ways. <laughs> Oh, actually, I didn't add this bit, but it said there was a little like thing at the bottom that said he'd shown absolutely no remorse. Oh, for, really? For his behavior. Oh. So that's probably why he was given four. I wonder if he'd been like really apologetic. Maybe they'd reduced the sentence. Mm. <laughs> wow. Oh man, <laughs> he's got guts to escape so many times. I mean, I wonder if each time he escaped, if it got worse for him in the actual prison. This third time before, or the, the time before he escaped for the last time, he was doing prison labor herding cattle, which doesn't sound too bad, but I guess you don't know what the conditions were like, like his living conditions were probably pretty bad, especially in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Herding cattle. Yeah, it sounds kind of nice being just like a cowboy yeah. for a few years. <laughs> I'm sure the reality is not yeah, very sure romantic. Not. <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to today's topic? Yeah, that's quite a few of you have gotten in contact with us because we had said that we were running out of questions. So this came from Christian, who actually we've answered one of his questions in the past. And it's not really a question, it's like a, a topic for us to deal with. And this topic came from a video that was posted on social media of a a woman who uh, she's on a bike and she like a is it a motorbike or is it like a I think it's an e-bike an e-bike and she's on her phone and she crashes into the back of someone else and flips over and she's on her back in the middle of the road and she's still got her phone like held up above her head and she's in the middle of the road and there are other bikes like coming along the road behind her. Could have easily, you know, ended terribly for her, but she was still like attached to her phone. And so 
Christian asked us to discuss the idea of cell phone addiction in China. Uh, I really, I will, I'll link, uh, I'll put the link to this video because you really have to watch it to understand. This is so crazy. Yeah, the video watching her. Highly recommend. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So, internet addiction actually in 2008, China declared it as a clinical disorder, and they were actually the first country to do that. And they realized that this is a big problem. There's something about their culture that makes them really susceptible to this、mm. kind of addiction. That's why you know a lot of gambling, actually, all gambling in China is prohibited. Which is so, why everyone goes to Macau. <laughs> yeah, in Macau they actually are only allowed to go, I think, once or twice per year because they know how much money is lost. Like, people here really love their gambling.、Yeah. You see them on the street corners all the time, huddled in groups playing poker, and then mahjong. They also gamble, so they just love it. And I、mm. think gaming really fits into that. This kind of risk. And game-like behavior. Yeah. Well, we've talked a bit in the past. I think. I think about these、um, boot camps for addiction, and in particular, most of these boot camps are for gaming. So young people who are just addicted to gaming. But there's also a lot of people in there who have internet addiction. And I found this article. This section focused on a girl called、uh, Bing Jiaying, who is an eighteen-year-old、uh, school dropout and self-declared smartphone addict. <laughs>、uh, she says her family、uh, she she was tricked into visiting the school under under the pretext of a family excursion. She said, "I hate you."、Uh, she said to her mother in May as she was forcibly checked in, but she actually admits that her iPhone six plus, in which she spent days and nights chatting on instant messenger services such as WeChat and QQ, was partly responsible for wrecking. Relations with her parents,、uh, and she was in this facility for two months in a dorm marked female soldiers. <laughs> Being appeared to be dreading the rest of her stay. I'll be here for a whole year. She grumbles. So this is、uh, a big deal. Yeah, as as you said, Nora. These camps have mixed reputation. Absolutely. There's a lot of sinister news out there related to that. In fact, there was one. I think it was a 19-year-old girl who was sent to one against her will. Well, they're probably all sent. Yeah, against their will. In to, fact,、yeah. some of them like they were like my parents drugged me and took me to the camp.、Wow. They like gave him sleeping pills. Like one of the interviews, the guys gave him sleeping pills and sent him to the camp.、That's、so dodgy. Very extreme. And one of them even she. This is so sad, but she starved her mother to death after being in、oh, one of the camps. Oh yes, I heard about that story. Yeah, it was last year sometime, wasn't it? I think.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so she had gone to the camp and had been treated poorly and had had such a traumatic reaction、mm-hmm. to this. And I think like her gaming addiction was also probably part of some other psychological oh, issues、yeah. because this does not sound like a normal teenager. She ties her mother up to the chair when she gets home. Then ask for a ransom from her aunt, who was the one who recommended her mother send her to this camp. The aunt actually does send her the ransom money, but it's too late, and her mother actually dies of starvation because she's been like tied to a chair. Goosebumps going on.、Right、I know it's so horrible. So, so there's a lot of dodgy things that、yeah. had been going on in these camps. Like they were really like boot camp, and there was a lot of physical, like corporal punishment,、mm. and just like. Really nasty disciplinary methods, but actually, China since banned the use of physical punishment in these camps,、um, and I think since these incidences came to light, they have had much stricter guidelines on these. Kind of places, but the、mm. fact is that they exist in a lot. And they need to exist,、mm-hmm. and that they are like they seem quite full. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was one article that I read about a man who had started it early on, like back when the use of the internet wasn't quite as high. And he started it because he just hates the idea of online gaming. He's like, right. I wonder if we read the same article because I think I saw something about this. I think he was a called guy. like Mr. Shu. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and he just discussed how it was actually the first time that I had seen more psychological reasons behind playing games he said something about how it just it's no it's useless in society and basically it promotes this like loneliness like a lot of these kids are actually just really lonely and that's their escape and their way to find communities in these online games and he was like the kids understand 100 percent about the internet and nothing about human beings (laughs) yeah as one of the quotes from that he had said, so it was really fascinating. This the video that Christian sent us with this kind of incident. It's not. It's certainly not the first kind of uh, cell phone related incident that has gone on in China. And last year, I think I mentioned this story about this a woman who actually got crushed in. I'm going to call it a car elevator, but they also refer to it as a carousel, which is some sort of. I think it's like a a lift for cars in a car park so the car drives in and it takes the car up onto another floor it's like a vertical parking lot yeah something like that and she's on her phone and there are screenshots i don't i'm not sure if there's a video but i I looked at the the, the screenshots from from a camera and she's just walking she's on her phone completely oblivious and then all of a sudden she just disappears and she's fall like she's walked into this thing and it's moved it's dropped and she hasn't she she just doesn't even see it and uh, see it and she gets she's actually crushed she doesn't die she survives but she had like uh like a lot of surgery i think oh horrible yeah and she she just wasn't paying attention like the article that you mentioned in a previous episode about the lanes for cell phone right yeah walkers <laughs> yeah and but what's uh, what I think is interesting is that a lot actually these this introduction of these phone like lanes in malls and on on the street actually a lot of netizens are saying this is wrong like you can't allow people to just be completely mindless like mm-hmm. you're supporting something that's just distru- I don't know people are just not aware of the surroundings at all it's so dangerous becoming like Wally where people are just like sitting in movable oh, right. chairs with in front yeah. of screens all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like part of the problem is the parents because it's not just something that's I feel like in the States a lot of people are like, Oh, kids these days, you know, they they're so addicted to their phones mm-hmm. and I feel like there is still a generational gap. I think the people like teenagers in the States use their phones more than adults, it seems like it, at least. And I think part of that is when you grew up without the use of a cell phone all the time. Like when I was a kid, I was dreaming of being able to like watch a teeny tiny television in my room. Yeah, yeah. You know, like people had these like portable Mm -hmm. television sets with like a massive Massive. antenna and it was just like so cool. And I I knew some people who had one was a black and white one, but it was just like so amazing, this technology. (laughs) And I dreamed like, oh man, that would be so awesome. And so if I had grown up with that, I think also my mindset would be quite a bit different. I feel like I'm the end of the old generation. Like, 
we grew up, we still had video games and stuff, but mm-hmm. they weren't portable. You couldn't take them outside. Yeah. Like, my parents used to just send us outside, and that was the end of it because, obviously, there was no way to plug in outside. But now, kids, mm-hmm. you send them outside, they can still be staring at the screens. Yeah. So it's much harder to control, and I think there's just a stronger gap. Like, in China, I think it happened, everything happened so suddenly. It was like... Nobody had access to phones. In fact, the whole, like, PC computer generation didn't really ever happen in China, like, where every home has a computer. Mm -hmm. A lot of homes just went from no computer to smartphones, and they never actually, like, in the States, it was like, oh, some families had, you know, an old PC, and then, like, every family had a personal computer, and then... Then they got a, a phone, and now less and less people have desktops. Mm. But in China, just, like, skipped that whole thing. So it was, like, from nothing to everything kind of a thing. And because technology mm. is created here for the most I mean, manufactured here for the most part, it's just, like, way more accessible to the mass market than it is in the States. It's just cheaper. And there's more, like, in the U.S., the cell phone plans are usually attached to... Like, it's very expensive to buy this, the cell phone a lot of times without a plan, and so you need to have, like, recurring income to get the phone that works. But in China, there's a lot of prepaid plans that are really cheap. And so as long as you can afford the phone, then you don't have to worry as much about recurring payments. It's just the market proliferation, I feel like, is just more extreme when you compare the standard of living, when you compare the salaries to Western countries, and I just think that having such a a lack of something and then suddenly getting everything, it's it's hard to understand why having the thing could be bad for you, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, our generation, it kind of slowly, the technology slowly cre- crept in, and so, like, my parents were always, like, not wa- watching too much TV isn't good for you, and, like, playing these games isn't good for you. But in China, it's, like, just huge gap, like, from nothing to everything. Everybody's connected online. Grandma's connected online. Everybody. Sure. And so it's just, like, in a way, it's so new for them. Like, wow, we can afford all of this that they don't really think as much, I think, about the social impact of it. Yeah, and, and going back to your, your point about, like, like not having something and then having everything, the, a phone is also, like, a status symbol as well, isn't it? So when you first were talking about the sort of, like, these young people having phones, I'm guessing the parents are buying these phones for them. So, but um, I mean, they could make the decision not to do that, not mm-hmm. to give them a phone. They could buy them a cheap, crappy little phone so they can contact them. Like they can still call them when they need to, but they just don't have the the super duper amazing smartphone that they can be playing games like twenty four seven on. Mm-hmm. They can make that decision, but it's not going to happen. I don't think. That's a really good point. I think like so. My husband is a big technophobe, and he just does not care. And he has a really old phone. Mm. he can afford to buy a new phone like that's not a problem and so it really puzzles his Chinese friends and colleagues like why do you have such a crap like why is your phone so crappy and he still has like an old Nokia phone like from way back I can't tell you which one it is it's not the one with the antenna but it's the next generation one it's like more than 10 years old and all the buttons are rubbed off and everything it's got like snake on it you know uh, the, the 40, is it a 4410 or something? I think it's a 4410, like yeah. I had one of those. Yeah, he still uses that when we're in Bulgaria. Like, he's he just never upgraded. And 
Because he just doesn't care. And I think that whole idea or, like, people who reject, like, people who just, like, their home doesn't have a TV or they, you know, they refuse to be on social media, that's really alien, I think, to China. Because it's, like, those people who don't have those things and who aren't connected are just, like, the poor people. Yeah, but even... I mean, even here, you see, for example, um, sometimes you see homeless people on the street. And back in the day, you would, you know, maybe give them some cash, like a note or something, if you felt you wanted to be kind <laughs> or whatever. But now, no one carries cash, so quite a few of these homeless people have QR codes, which means you can scan the QR code with your phone and send them money with WeChat Wallet. But in order for them to receive that money, they must also have WeChat wallet or and a phone that's good enough to have WeChat on it, if you know what I mean. So it's like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange situation. It's really strange. I found a list of the top ten most internet addicted countries. Do you want to hear? Oh, I did too. I wonder if it's the same list. <laughs> well, number one I found was India. Is that the same as on oh, your list? Oh no, um, actually, well, you said internet addicted. Mine is my list is actually about smartphone usage. So it's a little bit different. So you go first and then I'll, I'll do mine. Okay. So yeah, maybe yours is like how many f- smartphones are used in the country? Uh, no, hours per day. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah, well, according to this, and again, we'll put all the links to these things in the show notes, writtenchinese.com slash episode 131. India was number one. Great Britain was number two, which really surprised mm. me that it was so high. And then China was number three and then so on. And U.S. was number five. Germany was four, U.S. five, Russia six, Spain, France, Italy, and then Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so China's definitely up there. Yeah. You say number three. Mm-hmm. According to this. Yeah. Th- this The list that I found, it said that Chinese nationals spend an average of three hours a day on their smartphones. I think it's probably higher than that. Um, but actually... The the number one country is Brazil. Oh. Who spend an average of five hours per day on their phone. Huh. But then I found so actually I'll 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 finish this bit and but I actually found something else that disagrees with these statistics. There was a survey done by a UK mobile consultant um that said people look at their phones about every six and a half minutes. Which means they check their phones 150 times a day over a 16-hour period, which is quite impressive, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, but I, so I found a, another article, which was actually about uh, Hong Kong specifically, and it said that they, they reckon Hong Kong youngsters spend 10 hours a day or something looking at their phone, which sounds insane. I feel that's almost impossible. But this article said that nearly half of Hong Kong youngsters feel despair um, if they have nothing to post on social media. So slightly <laughs> kind of related. But I found it's because actually I was looking for my news article this morning and I came across this and I thought, oh, do I share this as news? But it's so related to our topic today, so I thought I'd save it. A lot of the reasons for them being online so much was that uh, they'd fought, basically 54% said it they'd formed a habit. 34% said it was fear of missing out, which I, I personally would say that would be a lot higher because I feel like that's the thing for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and 44% claimed that they would feel dis- they would cl- uh, feel despair if they had nothing to post on social media. <laughs> 26% said they would be disappointed if their posts did not receive as many likes or positive responses as they'd expected. 
So there's some. Just I I feel as though like China gets a lot of crap for their their addiction to cell phones, but I think it's really bad in Hong Kong, like quite specifically. You can see that.、Mm, too. Yeah, that, I mean they've also got like talking about putting these phone li- like walking li- lanes in. I don't know how that would work in Hong Kong. It's so cramped there. I think also because Hong Kong, so in China they have their own internet. Which is, let's say, protected by the government, and in Hong Kong, it's open to the rest. So they've got all the access to、mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff、yeah. too. And I think that they like to be connected with what's going on in the Western world because Hong Kong's a really interesting place. Like it's kind of it's definitely Asian, but it's also very Westernized. Yeah. So the people there are usually kind of this hybrid between the two. Like they function. In both environments, so it's really fascinating to see their internet usage as well. Like some, they use some Chinese stuff or eight, let's say、yeah. Asian products, and then a lot of the Western products as well. Like in terms of, it's funny because like Shenzhen and Hong Kong are sitting right next to each other. Like my previous apartment, out the window, I literally could see Hong Kong. It's like so close, and、um, it's interesting to see how. Different user behavior is like in China. Nobody uses Western social media, and then in Hong Kong, everybody <laughs> uses it.、Mm-hmm. And they're sitting next to each other, so it's really fascinating just to to study them and their usage. <laughs> While I was looking into、uh, cell phone addiction in China, I actually came across this interesting bit of information, which is that a German city. Uh, in 2016, actually embedded traffic lights on the surface of the street to prevent texting pedestrians from walking into traffic. So this is not just an Asian sort of phenomenon, I guess. This is happening all over the world. And if you need to put、uh, traffic lights on the street to prevent people from walking into traffic, you've also got a problem, Germany.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> Germany was number four, yeah, right behind right, China. Right. So there you go. Wow. So in China they call it electronic heroin or electronic opium.、Yeah. This whole like addiction thing. Do you want to learn the word for addiction in Chinese? Yes. So this is fascinating. So the word is chengyin. So cheng you can see it in a lot of words. It means like success or to finish, and then yin means addiction.、Um, and if you look at the actual character for yin, we'll put the link to the character in the dictionary on the show notes. It looks really, really complicated. You look at it and you're like, "Oh my god, it's gonna take me forever to learn how to read or write that one because it's got a million billion lines in it." In fact, in I printed some show notes for this episode, and when I printed out the character, it's like the lines are so close together you can barely see what's going on. It's just like big blob. Anyway, I looked at it more closely because I thought, oh, there's probably some logic in here. And when I picked it apart, I found the character for worry is inside of it, which makes sense. And then it's got、uh, the radical for sickness around it, and then it's also got a radical for abundance. So it's、mm. sickness plus an abundance of worry、mm. equals addiction. Makes sense. Yeah, so it's kind of cool when you start actually picking it apart. Before, when I was Kind of not really that interested in learning Chinese characters. It was kind of like white noise. I didn't really look at them. If I recognized one or it was similar to one that I knew, I would pay more attention. But to ones that just seemed really complicated and unknown to me, I just never really looked at them. But lately, I've been actually like taking the time to stop and look at them. And it's funny because you'll see 
Like some, for example, in the word for worry, it's not actually a radical, right? It's got actually three radicals put together. And so when you recognize like, oh, those radicals actually mean a word, then in this case, like in this very complex character, you can just break it into three pieces. So the more you learn, the more these building blocks you get. And it's actually really cool. And things start to make much more logical sense when you pick them apart like that. A lot of people will tell you that you can learn Chinese without learning to read. And in a lot of ways, that's true. But you'll get to a point where it becomes actually harder to learn new words because you're just memorizing sounds and you're making connections to things that are not actually the same word. Like you hear the word and it's got the exact same pinyin pronunci pronunciation, the exact same tone mark, but it's actually a completely separate word. <laughs> So when you learn the characters, things kind of start falling into place. So I just encourage you to actually, if you're learning Chinese, to take a look at this character and realize even though it looks super complicated, you can break it down into the pieces. And actually those pieces give a lot of hints to the meaning, like worry, abundance, sickness, like that all makes sense to mean addiction. Yeah, uh, and if you're interested in learning to read characters, we just actually released a brand new blog post about learning to read characters so you might want to nip over to writtenchinese.com and check out that blog post and as always don't forget again if you're learning to download the free written chinese dictionary app that we have been hard at work at and you can add your mnemonic devices to any characters or phrases that are in the dictionary which is really cool and we've been really pleasantly surprised how many people have been contributing to this already so it's really cool you can go in to any character and you can look at the memory notes section and you can see what the other people have added there and you can even upload photos of drawings or images that help remind you of the word and it's becoming this really cool like living dictionary so check that out yeah so before we head off uh i just want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review as usual and also to everyone who is supporting us on patreon we have a page there patreon.com slash two white chicks and uh, this is a page where you can go and leave us a small donation and this will help us to improve the quality of the podcast and make uh, some different kind of content in the future, maybe some videos and whatnot. So we, we just appreciate everyone who's supported us on there because it's, it's really cool to, to know that people are out there listening and they want to support us. And um, if you want to ask us a question, you can do that at writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. But if you just want to leave us a written question or comments or whatever, you can go to writtenchinese.com. For today's show notes, they'll be at writtenchinese.com slash episode 131. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm -hmm. Bye.